Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to roco snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Review we loved. This podcast is a must listen. I love it so much. Sometimes I can't even get through five minutes without falling asleep. So calm and soothing, and my favorite part stories three times a week. You guys help me fall asleep almost every night. Thank you. And thank you so much to our thoughtful listener who took the time to write this review. We're so happy to help you fall asleep. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by Self-Sufficiency. Tonight, we'll read from Canoe and Camp Cookery, a practical cookbook for canoeists, Corinthian sailors, and outers, by H. H. Soleil, under the pen name Seneca, published in 1893. Canoes were developed by cultures all over the world. Until the mid-1800s, the canoe was an important means of transport for exploration and trade, and in some places is still used as such. A canoe, in American English, is a lightweight, narrow vessel, typically pointed at both ends and open on top. In British English, the term canoe can also refer to a kayak, while canoes are then called Canadian or open canoes to distinguish them from kayaks. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. 
Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. For canoe cruising, a certain amount of food supplies and the necessary utensils for cooking should be carried in a single box or chest so that when one cooks a meal on board, he may have in one receptacle everything necessary for preparing a meal and when going ashore for his rest, he can take in his hands everything requisite at one journey. If on a long cruise, the large portion of his food supply may be kept in different parts of the canoe, but the box should contain sufficient for at least three meals and can be replenished from the larger store when you stop. Camping for the night or at a camping place for any length of time. The larger the box that his stowage room will allow, the greater will be the comfort of the canoeist. The box may be made of wood, tin, or galvanized iron. The former costs but little, can be made by the cruiser himself, and if properly made, and properly taken care of, should answer the purpose. But a box of painted tin or galvanized iron will stand much knocking about without fracture, and is therefore preferable when its expense is no objection. Of course, it must be watertight, and if made of wood, the nicest joining and dovetailing must be done, and it should be varnished inside and out with shellac or boat varnish. If the box is not used as a seat, but is stowed under the deck, it will be found an advantage to have the flanges of the cover fall over the side pieces of the box and the strap tacked to one end piece, carried over the corner and fastened by a hook to an eye in the other end piece in reach of the hand, so that the cover may be removed and articles obtained from the box without taking it from under the deck. To carry the provisions in the box so that they will not mix or spill, several watertight tins should be used. Obtain tin screw tops for jars and canisters that are perfectly watertight. In the tin cans may be carried coffee, tea or cocoa, sugar, flour, rice, and alcohol. A special screw top is made for fluid cans. Pepper and salt 
are in small spice boxes with two covers, the one underneath being perforated. Eggs are safest carried in the tins with the flour, coffee, and rice. Bread and bacon or salt pork are wrapped in Macintosh and put near the top of the chest. The vinegar goes in a whiskey flask, mark it to avoid mistakes, and canned goods, condensed milk, baking powder, etc., in their own cans. The alcohol stove and utensils necessary to cook a meal should go in the box, such as coffee, pot, cup, fork, knife, spoon, frying pan, and plates. The coffee pot should be of small size, with handle and lip riveted. If soldered, they are likely to melt off. Cups or plates should be of tin or granite ware. The fork and knife have their sheaths of leather inside the box cover. The plates should nest in the frying pan, which should have no handle and is fastened inside the chest cover by two buttons so that it may be readily released. Next, the knife and fork have a sheath for a pair of small blacksmith's pliers. This instrument serves as a handle to the frying pan and a lifter for everything on the fire and can always be kept cool. A three-quart tin or granite ware pail is necessary for stews and two smaller ones may be nested in it of two-quart and three-pint capacity, respectively. Put the can of condensed milk in the smallest pail. It will be out of the way and won't make the rest of the things in the chest sticky. If you carry potatoes, onions, or other vegetables, always have enough in the chest for three meals. The surplus supplies of provisions, such as vegetables, extra bread, crackers, flour, meal, pork or bacon, etc., should be carried in waterproof bags, and they can be then stored wherever necessary to properly trim the canoe. These waterproof bags may be used also for clothing and blankets. They are made of unbleached muslin, sewn in a lap seam with a double row of stitches. When sewn, they are dipped in water and slightly shaken to remove the drops. And then, while wet, a mixture of equal parts of boiled oil, raw oil, and turpentine 
is applied to the outside with a brush. This takes about a week to become thoroughly dry, and then another coat is put on without dampening the cloth. And if a little liquid dryer is added to the mixture, this coat will dry in four or five days. Having prepared several bags, the provisions, clothing, and blankets are put in the bag, and its mouth is inserted in that of another bag of the same size, the latter being drawn on like a stocking as far as it will go. If several bags are used instead of one or two large ones, the canoe can be trimmed and packed to better advantage. A canoeist's portable oven is made of two small basins, one of which has ears riveted to its rim, so that when it is placed bottom-up on the other, the ears will spring over the rim of the second basin, thus making an oven that is not airtight, allowing gases to escape. The basins should be made of sheet iron, and, as their interiors can easily be kept clean, they answer very well for soup dishes. Instructions for baking in them will be given later on. These should not go in the provision chest, as they will smut everything with which they come in contact. Butter, I have found, keeps better in its jar outside of the chest than in. Outside, too, are kept a small jug of molasses and a jug of fresh water, if cruising on the briny. There is no perfect canoe stove. Now, as to eatables in general... Besides what I have already mentioned, condensed milk is a good thing, but condensed coffee, condensed eggs, and condensed beef are abominations. Self-raising prepared flour, wheat, rye, Indian, or graham is easily made into bread and slapjacks. The directions come with the packages. Pilot bread will keep an indefinite time and is not so unpalatable as hard tack. Indian meal is very nutritious and easily made up as it requires nothing to lighten it. Scald it before using when it is not fresh. Canned tomatoes, corn, Fruits, beans, and soups are easy to prepare and can be stored as ballast in the canoe. Coffee The simplest way to make good coffee is to put into the pot two tablespoonsful 
of the ground and browned berry to each cupful of the beverage. Pour on cold water to the required amount. Remove it from the fire when it first boils up. Let it stand a few moments in a warm place and then pour into the pot half a cup of cold water to settle it. Coffee, number two. If the ground coffee is running low or the cook wishes to economize and has plenty of time and utensils, I will give him a recipe which requires much less of the berry to produce the required strength. As follows. Put the dry coffee into the pot and heat it, stirring it constantly. Then pour over it one quart of boiling water to every two tablespoonsful of coffee and set the pot where it will keep hot but not boil. After standing 10 or 15 minutes, it is ready to drink. Tea. For most teas, the right proportion is one tablespoonful of tea for every teacup that is to be drawn and one for the pot. The simplest method of making it is to put cold water on the tea in the pot, set over the fire, and let it almost boil. Just as it begins to steam, remove it to a place less hot, where it will simmer and not boil for five minutes. If it boils or simmers too long, the tannin will be dissolved and the tea will have an astringent taste. When the liquid is all used out of the pot, I do not throw away the grounds, but add one half the quantity for the next drawing, and so on till the pot is one third full of grounds, where it is all emptied and the pot thoroughly washed. Cornmeal Mush The main difficulties in making good cornmeal mush are the care necessary to prevent the formation of lumps and the long time required to cook it. The surest way to avoid lumps is to mix the meal first with cold water enough to make a thin batter, and then pour this batter into the pot of boiling water, slightly salted, very gradually, so as not to stop the boiling process. Sufficient of the batter should be stirred in to make a thin mush, and the latter should then be boiled until it is of such consistency that it will hang well together when taken out with a spoon. The longer it is allowed to boil, the better it will be. And if long boiling makes it too thick, 
add more boiling water. It can be advantageously boiled two hours, but is eatable after 20 minutes boil. If it is sprinkled into the pot of boiling water dry, do so very gradually and stir it constantly to prevent its lumping. Fried Cold Mush Cut cold cornmeal mush into slices half an inch thick and fry on both sides in boiling pork fat or butter. Or dip each slice into beaten egg, salted, then into bread or cracker crumbs and fry. If fried in lard, add a little salt. Oatmeal mush is made the same as cornmeal mush, but must always be sprinkled dry into the pot of boiling water. Johnny Cake Make a thick batter by mixing warm, not scalding water or milk with one pint of cornmeal and mix in with this a small teaspoonful of salt and a tablespoonful of melted lard. Grease your baked tins thoroughly with butter. Set the Johnny Cake batter in one, cover over with the other, and bury the oven amongst the hot coals and ashes of the campfire, heaping the coals around it so as to have an equal heat on all portions of the oven. In 20 minutes, dig out the oven, open it with the pliers, and test the johnny cake. It should be thoroughly baked in a good fire in from 20 to 30 minutes. If the meal is mixed with scalding water, it will be lumpy and difficult to work into a batter. Hoe Cakes Johnny Cake Batter Thin down with more warm water or milk may be fried the same as slapjacks. Slapjacks To properly cook slapjacks, the frying pan should be perfectly clean and smooth inside. If it is not, too much grease is required in cooking. Scrape it after each panful is cooked, and then only occasional greasing will be required, and this is best done with a clean rag containing butter. Drop thin batter in with a spoon so that the cake will be very thin. Disturb it as little as possible, and when the cake is cooked firm on one side, Turn it and cook on the other. Cornmeal Slapjacks One quart of cold water is mixed with meal enough to make a thin batter, one teaspoonful of salt, and one or two teaspoonfuls 
of baking powder having been stirred into the latter. The addition of one or two well-beaten eggs will improve it. Cook on a very hot pan, as above. Soup. Canoeists will hardly take the time and trouble to make soups out of meats and vegetables unless they are in a permanent camping place for some length of time. Nearly all soups require several hours to cook properly, as they must be boiled very slowly to retain the aroma of the ingredients used. Canned soups, therefore, are the handiest for the canoeist or single-hand cruiser. I can recommend the Brunswick variety as cheap, convenient, wholesome, and easy to prepare if the directions on the cans are followed. Any variation from these instructions, however, is certain to result in an unpalatable mess. The higher-priced soups, Huckins and other varieties, are more like homemade soups than the Brunswick kind, and hence, a fastidious taste will prefer them. They are bulkier to carry, but are quite as easily prepared, and I would recommend those made by Huckins as especially good. The great objection to them is their higher price. There are a few good soups that can be prepared from materials readily accessible to the canoeist and in a comparatively short time. Some of these are onion soup, Put three tablespoonfuls of butter in a frying pan. Cut six large onions in slices and stir them into the butter over the fire till they begin to cook. Then cover tight and set them where they will simmer slowly for half an hour. Put a quart of milk with a tablespoonful of butter on to boil. And while this is doing, stir into the onions a tablespoonful of flour while they are simmering. Turn the mixture into the boiling milk and cook quarter of an hour, seasoning with salt and pepper. If an old tin pan is handy that you can use for the purpose, the soup will be improved by knocking small holes in the bottom of the pan, thus making a colander, and straining the soup through it. Afterwards, adding the well-beaten yolks of four eggs and cooking three minutes longer. Tomato soup. Mix one tablespoonful of flour and a piece of butter the size of an egg into a smooth paste and 
If you have onions, chop up fine one medium-sized one. Prepare about one pound of tomatoes by scalding, peeling, and slicing them. The same amount of canned tomatoes may be used. And put all the ingredients with a pinch of salt into one pint of cold water. Boil gently for an hour, stirring frequently enough to dissolve the tomatoes and prevent burning. Then stir in one cup of boiled milk and let it come again to a boil, constantly stirring. Season and serve. The soup will be good if the milk is omitted. The canoeist, whose stowage room is limited, will not carry with him a variety of vegetables, and therefore completer directions for cooking these edibles will be left for another section of this book and instructions will here be given only for the preparation of the potatoes, which he will most certainly carry, and green corn, which, in its season, he can obtain readily, if his cruise leads him through a farming country. These two articles will form the canoeist mainstay in the vegetable line, and can be prepared in several appetizing ways. Boiled Potatoes Small or medium-sized potatoes are preferable to large ones. Choose those with small eyes, as those with large eyes are generally about to sprout. Do not pare unless they are very old, and in the latter case, put them in cold water and allow it to boil. If they are of unequal size, cut the large ones so that they will boil evenly. Wash and slice off a piece of skin at each pointed end. Put, unless old, into enough boiling salted water to cover them and simmer steadily till a sliver will easily pierce the largest. Strain when done and set the pot near the fire, shaking them occasionally to dry them mashed potatoes. After boiling, peel and mash thoroughly with the bottom of a large bottle, working in pepper, salt, butter, and sufficient hot milk or water to make them into consistency of soft dough.
if mashed in an iron pot, they will be discolored, but will taste just as good as if mashed in tin or earthenware. Fried Cooked Potatoes Peel and slice cold cooked potatoes and put them into enough screeching hot lard to cover the bottom of the pan. Stir frequently and fry slowly, seasoning with pepper and salt. Stewed Potatoes Cut cold, boiled potatoes into pieces the size of a hickory nut. Put them into enough boiling milk to cover them and let them simmer slowly till the milk is nearly exhausted. Stirring frequently to prevent burning. Sweet potatoes are cooked the same as Irish potatoes, but require longer time. Boiled Green Corn The sweetness of corn is better preserved in the boiling if the outer layer of husks only is stripped off. Turn back the inner husks and strip off the silk. Then replace the inner husks and tie the ends. Put the corn into enough boiling salt water to cover it. Boil, if young, 25 minutes, if old, quite twice as long. After half an hour's boiling, an ear had best be removed occasionally, and the kernels prodded with a sliver to see if they have cooked tender. Drain off the water as soon as they are done.